0: perfect,
1: Welcome back to the uh, official podcast of. The Christian Manifesto. It's been a long time coming. We actually have a name now. We're no longer called the official podcast of The Christian Manifesto. We are now called Profess. So say hello once again to me, Calvin Moore, and... Me, Wayne Beeson. So I'm graduated from college he, now. He has graduated from college, and that's why it has taken us so long to, to get back onto, uh, onto the airwaves, because we both were finishing up uh, the the semester here at school and then I was out of town for two weeks on a tour uh, with our uh, with our Rochester College a cappella chorus so we apologize for the delay of getting this up and posted but we are back and we should be doing this regularly every other week again God willing um, but we are now called profess uh contest winner Liz Shelton of Hazelcrest, Illinois, uh suggested the name and we picked it and we you know it ended up being the best one out of all the suggestions that were sent in and she won a prize package that's worth over three hundred dollars and uh she has written me and let me know that uh, she is enjoying every every little piece of uh product that was in there, CDs, books uh... dvds she's enjoying it immensely even the little pieces even the little pieces all right. <laughs> um, but that contest is over but we've got a new contest uh, we have been sent ten copies of, well actually five copies of thirteen letters and five copies of show baraka's turn my life up all sent to us by reach records uh... kind of as a promotion for the new trip lee album coming out that's called twenty twenty which we'll talk about in a little bit but they sent us ten copies all together And all you have to do to enter is send us a self-addressed postcard and we will, you know, the first ten postcards that come in to us, we will send you out a free copy of one album or the other. So uh, send us a self-addressed postcard to 800 West Avon Road, Rochester Hills, Michigan, 48307. We will get that CD out to you. So far we have uh, only received three postcards in the mail so uh... there's seven left um, in tragic news uh... Stephen curtis chapman's youngest daughter maria sue uh... was accidentally killed uh, by an suv uh, her, Stephen curtis chapman's uh, teenage son was backing out of the driveway and accidentally uh... backed over uh, backed over his daughter It's one of uh... chapman's three adopted children his youngest daughter and uh... she wasn't killed initially she was rushed to the hospital but she died of her injuries there and uh... so just keep them in your prayers i know i have a five-year-old daughter of my own and i just i just cried for a few minutes just thinking you know what what they must be going through and what his son must be going through uh... it's one thing to, to lose your child in an accident so one it's, it's another thing entirely to be a family member involved in the accident so just keep them in your prayers. That's that's just a horrible situation that they're they're dealing with. And uh actually, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray for them right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um you want to pray, Wayne? Sure.
2: Let's pray real quick. Uh God, be with uh, the whole Chapman family and everyone who's who is influenced by this tragedy. And especially uh with his son as he as he deals with this and we just pray that your grace and forgiveness and healing uh, be evident throughout this entire situation and in this family. To your name we pray, Amen.
1: Amen. Uh, it's like you know. Should I even follow that with more news? I guess. Yeah. I guess we move on. It's sad news. We're gonna, <coughs> we're gonna move on. Um, but we are going to end our podcast today with a special tribute to uh, to Maria Sue. Um, in other news, Tooth and Nail has purchased. Fugitive Records, which is a secular uh, record label, and they have no—they um, have. Tooth and Nail's always been known for kind of being on the edge of Christian music. A lot of their musicians have traveled around with secular bands, but this is going to be a label that continues to just really target mainstream and secular audiences. They have absolutely no intention of changing that. Um, one of their artist on the label is uh the Presidents of the United States of America. You remember you may remember them from the uh mid to late nineties. They had Lump, they had uh peaches, peaches which is a great song. Yeah, Millions of Peaches, Peaches for Me, Millions of Peaches, Peaches for Free. See, I just hope they keep re releasing that song. <laughs> uh they're gonna release the rap version I hear is coming out. Um me and rap. Anyway, um but of my my thoughts on this are kind of mixed cuz uh some of their uh, some of their artists on this label are known for uh dropping the f bomb and just kind of being absolutely uh anti-religious and now Tooth and Nail has picked up this particular label with no intention of changing that whatsoever and it's in in my book it's one thing to to do what Tooth and Nail has done already where they are you know, okay, we're a Christian label, we have Christian bands, they don't necessarily say Jesus every other word, but they've had a lot of mainstream buy-in, and their bands have been able to go on tour with other secular bands and kind of be a a light in the darkness. Well, now they've got basically Christians running this label where they are putting out what is, what I would consider not God-honoring, not glorifying. You know, the you know, Bible says, let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouth and, you know, You've got Christians running a label where people are dropping the F-bomb. How do we... you know, Is it right to say, well, it's a secular label, we have no Christian bent whatsoever, as a Christian running the label? Is mm-hmm. that fair to do? It's, it's not
2: surprising to me. I don't know how to make that call for them, but it's not surprising because the label isn't like Sparrow, for instance, who says, we're a Christian label, we're going to do Christian things. They're Christians who run a positive label. That's what they call it. So for this shift to happen isn't as drastic as if someone like Sparrow or Goatee was to do it. So, it's it's not surprising, it's disturbing to me. I'm curious to see how how it plays itself out and what this will do to Tooth and maybe maybe this will allow Tooth and Nail to the Tooth and Nail branded stuff and some of their other sub-labels um, to be more open with their faith. That, that would be the best case scenario is, you know, I've seen a lot of bands that seem like Christian bands. The first album comes out on Tooth & Nail, two or three albums into it. They've kind of rejected that altogether. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is, okay, we have these guys on contract. Let's dump them off to this and preserve our name a little more. That would be great. I don't see that happening. I'm curious to
1: see how it works. I really am. Well, I'm I'm already kind of leery because Wayne and I had to do some real searching to find (laughs) out whether this was true or not. First we didn't know the name of the, the record label, first we thought it was Renegade Records, but come to find out it was called Fugitive Recordings, and then we, we were looking that up, and we couldn't find out who owned them, and we found a really obscure web page that said, okay, the owners of Fugitive Recordings are Tooth and Nail. It's like they're really working hard to keep right. this a secret. Right, well,
2: and, and there, it's even been called online the secret sub-label, <laughs> sub-label of Tooth and Nail. It's not on any of their links. There's no way to find any, as far as we can tell, any press release on it from Tooth & Nail. But if all the facts are what they claim to be, Tooth & Nail owns this label, and they're keeping it secret for some reason.
1: No, we'll see what happens. Um, but we're going to be right back. We're going to go into music reviews when we come back from this break. Uh, listen up real quick. We've got a uh, clip from Trip Lee's new album, 2020. This track is called Inexhaustible. We'll be right back.
0: one but three that's crazy minds can't grip we need to realize we just try to understand that we came as a man but i am
1: and we are back we hope you enjoyed that track we're going to talk about it in a few minutes but before we actually get to triple e's album we're going to start off with jordan critz he's an independent artist and his album night lights and melted ice Um, He released it, you know, uh, self-produced, you know, independent release. I really, really like this album. It's kind of got a kind of a pop rock vibe. It's not going to appeal to everybody. And he is very, very, very poetic. So if you come to it looking for a straightforward message, um, you're not going to get it out of this album. Um, One of the things I said in my review, I actually did review it and it's up on the site already, uh, is that... Sometimes deep poetry is what you need to unlock some of the the deep pain and mysteries that happen in life and I really think that uh Critz is very very good at that i think musically he is uh i think he's i don't think he's stellar musically, but I do believe that um it fits what he's doing. I think the music that he's got can um can be better, but for what he has produced being self produced uh the poetry. Uh, that is involved here. The packaging is actually really cool, too. Um, overall, I thought this was a, a pretty pretty decent album.
2: Yeah, and even, I mean, visually especially, but lyrically and the production quality of the recording, it's surprisingly polished for being an independent release. Um, it's not stellar. It's not phenomenal. It's not even going to really change anything about your your music taste or anything but if you like pop rock and you're looking for something that most people haven't heard check it out at least if for nothing else check out the cover art cuz it's pretty decent
1: photoshop yeah he I he think. looks like i don't know the cover art to me I'm a big comic book fan and he, he or, or street fighter fan and he kind of looks like he's got this this glowing bubble in his hands, and he's about to like shoot something out. At That's somebody. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Dragon like, Ball Command Z. Ass, uh, yeah, Jordan Critz, watch out! He will kill you with his fireball <laughs> of death, um, or maybe it's a nightlight of death. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get the, the title of the album, Nightlights and Melted Ice. Really didn't have much to do um, with with the album. Hopefully, we're going to get an interview with him soon, and he can explain the title of, of the album. And he kind of looks like John Stamos. It's he, it's kind of not yeah kind of I don't know I mean when you look in here he looks like John Stamos that if, picture if you, does look like if John you, Stamos uh, you can't see this but if you open up the cover art ladies if you were looking for a good looking musician this guy looks like John Stamos and there's about four different pictures of him in the cover art
2: or in the uh, the total art of the package. And every one of them he has the same intense glare. Yeah,
1: he's he's very uh, don't he's want, very brooding. Don't
2: make Jordan mad
1: or yeah. he will
2: melt you with his
1: nightlight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> Trip Lee from Reach Records has released his newest album, just came out this past Tuesday, twenty twenty. Um I believe this album is absolutely phenomenal. I give it a 5 out of 5 on the website. Um, I've continued to listen to it and a lot of times after I give an album a review on the website. After I listen to it a little bit more, I'm like, uh, maybe it didn't deserve a 5 out of 5, maybe a 4.5 or a 4, maybe even a 3. Um, Tripoli is staying at a 5.5 5 for me. I think this album is absolutely phenomenal. It's not flawless, no album is, but um, this album really is good. One of the things that I cited was Trip Lee's initial album, uh, "If They Only Knew." When that came out, his first one, uh, I thought it was great. Thought it was phenomenal. Not as good as this one, though. I really felt that going into this album, he could have stayed with the formula that made "If They Only Knew" such a popular album. People love it. He's kind of the the flagship artist for for Reach Records, and he could have stepped. He could have stuck with that formula that made him popular. But he really does mature on this particular outing. And in that respect, because he did change up a little bit of his style, he's got a little bit more swagger, he's um, a little bit more mush mouth than this one, because he did that, it's going to take a couple listens to uh, really get into it. But once you have that second listen, that third listen, man, this album is absolutely powerful. And theologically, this this guy is just amazing. One of the things I really love about Reach Records and Cross Movement Records is because it's really made up of a bunch of guys who uh, who come out of the urban community, who go to Bible school and then take that theology degree and basically kind of wrap it over beats for a society or for a culture that really doesn't have much access to good biblical tools. And so I really do appreciate um, what Trip Lee has done with this particular album, really looking forward to the next album by Tadashi, which will be coming out in a couple months. And uh, if you haven't checked out our interview with Trip Lee on the website, check that out. It's actually our most popular interview uh, to date. It's over two thousand hits at this point, and uh, he is just very down to earth guy. Really appreciated that interview. But this album was absolutely uh, off the chain for me. What did you think, Wayne? Well, I mean, I'm coming more of as an
2: outsider with the whole rap hip hop scene. And usually I hate it. This was good. I liked it. I want this CD. And I feel weird admitting that, and if any of you out there actually know me, you know how strange it would be for me to be listening to rap, but it's good. And lyrically, it's solid. Um, I don't know the right lingo or whatever, but this is going to sound weird, but his vocal tone, like his voice in it, is good. Like, I again, I don't know a whole lot about rap. I don't know what to call it, but a lot of rappers, I just don't like the sound of their voice, the way they speak, that kind of sound. He's got what I feel to be a really sellable sound. Like, I could hear this playing on, you know, local radio stations and stuff like that, and people not even noticing that it's Christian, which is really rare, because usually Christian rap is really terrible. And I'll even say I don't like most of what comes out on Reach Records, and this, I think, is great, so... Maybe I'm being converted, I don't know. But it's
1: good. I like it. (laughs) You've been baptized. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Our next album, uh, Tooth and Nails' newest signing since October, has released, or will be releasing, um, next Tuesday, This Is My Heart. Um, I liked the album a lot. I gave the album uh, a 5 out of 5, just kind of like I did Triple E. But at the same time, um, now that I've talked to Wayne, it's kind (laughs) of funny because... Uh, I'm the rap guy, not necessarily the rock guy. I do like rock, but Wayne kind of knows his way around that a little bit more. And he's listened to it, and he has a totally different opinion than I did. I just thought, hey, it's good. I thought it was going to be all screaming, and I wouldn't be able to understand it. And maybe that's why I liked it so much, because I could understand it. Um, One song really stood out to me, and uh, that one was Waiting, mainly because... I feel like it's going to be the anthem for anybody who's gone through a tough breakup. <laughs> it's a great, great song, and it's really one of the slower ones on the, on the song. But I expected a lot of screamo and a lot of not being able to understand what the band is saying. And then um, what I got was you know, a fairly understandable band, a band that seemed to have some depth to their lyrics, and I liked their, their go-ahead rock sound. They weren't trying to do a lot of experimental stuff uh, that, that I could make out. But I I just really enjoyed the band, and then Wayne listened to it, and... Well,
2: the biggest problem, I think, with Since October, to me, is not their talent or ability. It's their genre of music. I like all sorts of different forms of rock. I can't stand rap rock that sounds like Linkin Park. That's what they sound like. Linkin Park with the bad side of P.O.D. mixed in with it. And... I guess I have a hard time looking past that and still enjoying it because I feel like that style of music is so far gone. And in most people's view, a very just disgusting genre of music. I'm sorry like for coming across that way. If you like that kind of music, pick it up. You'll like it. I don't understand why you like it, though. <laughs> and when they slow it down, they do change their sound, which is really rare for a band that does that straight up like, Southern hard rock, rap rock thing for them to be able to do slow, kind of not, I don't want to say top 40 music, but it's its kind of more poppy. Um, so I kind of give them a thumbs up, you give them the middle finger. Is that, is that what's I'm going just, on here? Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, even their slow stuff, I would want it to, you know, maybe it'll, it reminds me of Nickelback, which is my other genre of music I can't stand. <laughs> so it's kind of a lose lose for them with me. I can't get past my own personal biases. I guess so, because.
1: You, I, I love the fact that we do this show together because we have such differing <coughs> views on on what's good. Because you say like it's like Nickelback, the other genre that I hate. And I'm like, I I, I like I like Nickelback. Right. So <laughs> I, I
2: can see that there might be people that will like this. Right. And if that's what you like, they sound like that. Like they you know they almost sound like a cover of like Lincoln Park or something like that at times.
1: So see what people like it. I'm just not my style at all. Yeah, I, I didn't really get the whole rap rock fusion thing out of Since October. I thought it was more straight ahead rock. Um, But again, I I also like Linkin Park, so it's kind of like, you know, no matter what I say, we're just going to, we're not going to like Yeah, I'll give you that. There's not
2: quite as much rap as there is in Linkin Park, but they did have rap in there from time to time,
1: and I don't know. All right, well, those are all the music reviews we have. Uh, We're going to play a clip from Jordan Kritz's album. This track is called Cold Sunshine. We'll be back in just a minute. So
0: how do I find Way back in
1: are back we hope you enjoyed that track by Jordan Kritz Uh, that's actually my favorite track on the album that's why I picked it Um, but now we're moving on to book reviews the first book that we're looking at is put out by Zondervan Books it's called Jesus for President it is the newest book by Shane Claiborne and uh, Chris Haw is actually a co-author on this one the book uh, let me explain kind of how it looks first it's very I would say postmodern there's a lot Mm -hmm. of I mean for all you ADD people out there there's a lot of stuff, side notes, pictures, uh, space fillers. It's very, very, very artistic in the way it's put together. One of the things I really like best is the way they did the bibliography. Instead of listing the books, they took a picture of the books standing side by side so you can see all the books that are, that are quoted from. Um, I guess in a way, though, you, you're not exactly sure um, where in the book they're quoting from, but you at least know what book it's from but the book is very artistic in scope but the book really is talking about um it's it's shane claiborne's um... manifesto about christianity and politics and the i'm gonna save a lot of the details i'm not even really going to go into detail for you in it in, in this review but my thought was it was really just he wasn't saying much new um, if you're familiar with some of the writings of other people like, you know, John Howard Yoder, those 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 kind of uh, authors, um, I felt in a lot of ways this was controversial to be controversial. Shane Claiborne with uh, The Irresistible Revolution, when that came out, everybody jumped on board with that because it was very controversial and a necessary message to be heard. And so he's kind of been elevated to this, um this controversial magnate. If he's not saying something controversial, people aren't going to want to listen to him. Um, Brian McLaren, when you listen to him, you know he's going to be saying something emergent. Uh, Mark Driscoll, if you listen to him, you know he's going to be saying something generally reformed or Calvinistic in nature. Shane Claiborne is known for controversy. And so um, that's kind of the feeling I got out of this book. I didn't feel like I took away much in terms of growing as a believer or my understanding of Christianity and politics being changed if you're educated I think you already kind of think along the lines here but it does challenge the status quo of the uber conservative you have to vote Republican in order to be a Christian uh, type person you know like if you're a Democrat you're in sin I think he takes issue with that and the issue that many times Christians are Americans first and Christians second, followers of Christ second. And that's what he takes great issue with in this book. And I think anybody who sits and thinks about which they are first and which they are second, you you already realize you need to be a Christian first and American second. This is for those few people who who don't think along those lines.
2: Well, you kind of stole my thunder and my opinion of this. Um, I do want to add that it was ironic to me that Claiborne's first book, was about not spending your money frivol- frivolously and like you know becoming poor for Christ and poverty and all that. And then he comes out with a twenty dollars book, um, which he could have put all this information in a four dollar pamphlet, I think, um, and saved the money on the production costs and the art costs. But you know what? Maybe that's the only way to put this out here. Here's the thing: good topic, relevant topic,
1: especially um, given the political season right now. Absolutely, and the
2: the this postmodern emergent shift. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second. Um, and the reactions that it's brought in regards to the government. Great. But you said it best when you said he brings out he reuses good research here. But the things he's reading and writing about are a lot better. Read Politics, The Politics of Jesus by Yoder if you want to know about Jesus for president. That's what I like I feel like this has been the the visual artistic like, accompaniment or, like, mm-hmm. companion to the real books. Um, that's That said, Yoder's hard for me to read, and I've been trained how to <laughs> read it. So maybe this is what we need. Maybe we need people to interpret and artistically sell what the great scholarship of Christianity has done lately in regards to the whole church and state issue. But I don't think that's Claiborne's place, because Claiborne told me to sell all I have and give to the poor. If that's the case, I don't have 20 books to buy his book. $20, $20, yeah. (laughs) So it seems like a contradicting message. And this is why we have stuff sent to us for free. Right.
1: Um, (laughs) So if you all become Christian reviewers, you can get all this stuff for free. Um, Email me and I'll tell you how you can do that.
2: But then again, if we ever get a chance to interview Claiborne, I would love to ask him that because I'm sure it's not as cut
1: and dry as I just made it seem. Uh moving on, uh volume 1 and 2 of the Hand of the Morning Star series. Uh this is also put out by Zondervan. Uh what these are, these are uh, they're calling them graphic novels, but basically what they are is they are mangas, which are very popular Japanese style comic books. And this story Hand of the Morning Star follows Um, these five superhuman individuals. We don't know where they got their superpowers from, but they're called, as a team, they're kind of like the Christian Justice League or the Christian um, Avengers, but they are called the Hand of the Morning Star. And if you've read Scripture, you know that Jesus is referred to as uh, the Morning Star, the Brighton Morning Star in, in Scripture. Um, however, as this story unfolds and they come across these bad guys, and uh, you, know, it con- you know the story continues on, you start to wonder exactly who these guys are, what side they're on. The story is very well written because um, one of the things in scripture is Morning Star also refers to Satan. So you have a reference of Morning Star to Satan in scripture, and you have a reference of Morning Star to Jesus in scripture. So we're trying to the reader is kind of like trying to figure out you know, are these guys good guys or bad guys? So it's really, really cool. And normally when it comes to Christian comic books that I've read in the past, they have really skimped on the art. They've really skimped on the story. Um, they've been overly cheesy, overly pushy with religion. It's about the quality of the big boy comic books, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> the the second volume, admittedly, of the Hand of the Morningstar series, um, there is a, a point where one of the characters is reading scripture and... Uh, you see it in his mind as he's thinking about Jesus and Jesus is saying these parables and things and so that might seem cheesy to some people but this is really geared towards um, tweens and teenagers and it really it really is a very very good series thus far. When I was finished the second volume, uh, volume 3, 4 and 5 I believe are out already. I was like oh I, I want to keep reading and I'm 28 years old so um, if I'm feeling that way imagine how a, you know, a 13, 14 year old kid um, who's really into comic books or really into the manga movement right now uh, will feel when they're left kind of like waiting. Just the stories just cut off. They're just like you know regular mangas in the in the mainstream where the story cuts off because it it continues in the next book. So I'm waiting to to receive the next ones from Zondervan. If you have kids or if you're into comic books or into mangas, pick these up. They're definitely worth the time. I enjoyed them greatly, and um, uh, the art, as I said, is absolutely um phenomenal they actually got a guy named Mike Miller who has worked on uh, such comic books as Superman and Wolverine so it's not like they just got some nobody guy who couldn't hack it in you know in the real comic book industry and had him draw you know a christian version of a comic this guy has you know worked on some solid comics uh that are on the market right now and that really comes across very well in this particular series well
2: and one of the cool things that miller does is he takes that you know, that normal American style. Like, one of the characters looks a lot like Superman. Like, even the way he moves and stuff, and it's the way he stands. But he crosses it over well, I think, with the Japanese art, with the straight line art and the motion blur and stuff like
1: that. Um, it doesn't try to imitate Japanese art, I don't think. No, this is definitely the uh, the American version. Uh, it's the Americanized manga. There's there's uh, Japanese manga, there's also Americanized manga. This is definitely in the, the vein of the... Uh, the uh, Americanized It's movie. a really cool mix. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's very cool. Alright, cool. Well, we're gonna go on break real quick. We're gonna leave you with a clip from Since October's This Is My Heart. Then we're gonna come back with a few film reviews, and then we'll be all done for the day. Be right back. And we are back. Uh, Welcome back to Profess, and this is the last segment of the show, and we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of films, uh, popular films that are out right now. Um, We hope you enjoyed that clip from Since October, uh, the the title track off their album called This Is My Heart. Um, But we're going to start talking about Iron Man. Iron Man is a big summer blockbuster. It's the official kickoff to the uh, summer movie-watching season. And uh, I saw, I've seen Iron Man three times now. Wow. Three times. Um, I thought it was absolutely uh, the best Marvel film out there. And for those of you who are comic book fans who absolutely loved uh, Spider-Man 2, I think it just ekes out just above Spider-Man 2. And my reasoning for that is because this story, uh, the, the story of Iron Man, is very, very accessible for even people who are not fans of comic books. That being said, the, the story, the, the action, the, uh, just the, the overall feel of Iron Man was a lot of fun. It may have been greater for me because I'm a big Iron Man fan uh, in the comics, but I think Jon Favreau did a, a good job directing the film. He did a great job casting the film. He really listened to the fans of the comics when he was putting together the movie. Uh, there are certain things that don't translate well to the screen, but he was able to kind of give slight nods. To to fans that weren't alienating to people who didn't understand the comics. As a as a comic book reader, I kind of got some of the stuff. I was like, ah, okay, this refers to you know this thing in the comics, but um, it wasn't necessary to the story uh, unfolding. So people who didn't know the comics weren't felt they didn't feel like they were left out. Iron Man's one of my least
2: favorite comic book characters. That said, this was. Might be my favorite superhero movie of all time. Really? Um, I mean, entitled- better than
1: Superman one. Yeah,
2: super. Yeah. Ah. Uh, that's Maybe it's just because I'm too young to really <laughs> appreciate Superman one. Um, that and he doesn't have to stop any missiles in this one. <laughs> um, it's it's a quality movie. I feel like
1: all of the acting was solid. Everyone played their part well. I mean, um, you have got Oscar nominees, Emmy winners. I mean, you have Terrence. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Terrence Howard. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, John Favreau actually uh, played the driver. Uh, so the director of the movie plays the driver. Oh, uh, there's an ingenious inclusion of Stan Lee, who is, of course is in all the yeah. All that's the actually Marvel one of the creepiest cameos <laughs> for Stan Lee. It was really funny. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you have to go see it. We don't explain exactly how he showed up in the movie this time. Yeah. Um, and who played the bad guy? Um, what was his name? Uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Jeff Bridges played the bad guy. Um, all the characters seem very, very three-dimensional. None of them seem one-dimensional. They were all kind of fleshed out pretty well. Um, obviously, it's setting up for a sequel, for them to be fleshed out even more. Um, and a lot for of maybe some spin spinoffs, too. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, apparently, Robert Downey Jr., who plays Tony Stark, who is Iron Man, will be making a cameo in the new Hulk movie that comes out on June 16th. Which, you have to wonder...
2: Okay, the first Hulk movie was terrible. I know we got completely different casts, different directors, everything's different for this one. But if it's not a good movie, is this just a push? You know, let's get Robert Downey Jr. in there just to make sure that we have some reason for Iron Man fans to see it, even if it's a well, terrible movie.
1: Well, there's a reason why uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie. If you st- did you stay through the credits? Oh, yeah. Oh, I am... So- so uh, yeah, then, then you understand, can't say it right. You but... can if you stay through the credits of Iron Man. You will understand why he is showing up in a brief cameo in in the Hulk movie. It's very important why he's there, and so that is what they're that's what they're trying to accomplish by him being in this particular movie.
2: To put a little, I guess, of my Christian spin on this, just for my you, I, you take that with you to every movie right. you see. It doesn't have to be a Christian movie. One of the things I like most about this. Is the development of Tony Stark's character? I mean, at the end of the movie, you don't walk away thinking Tony Stark's a Christian or anything. Right. But what you see is somebody who has power and money and everything a man could want or whatever become dissatisfied with it because he realizes the pain he's causing other people, and it's that you know pulling back of the curtain from behind his eyes and it, that causes his complete repentance and change in mm-hmm. lifestyle and really ends up throwing away a lot of his friends, a lot of his relationships, a lot of his money to focus on bringing justice into his world. That sounds like a gospel message yeah, to I, me. Yeah,
1: I, I really did, actually. I, when when I reviewed <coughs> it on the site, I really pointed that out. I said, you know, okay, there there's some incidental things. Obviously, he's a billionaire playboy, beginning of the movie. He's a womanizer. There's a lot of drinking in the film. Um, those things play into the character from the comic book and are allusions to that. But, you know, there's a scene where he's with a girl that you know it's kind of unnecessary but it, it does drive the story forward and communicates who he is and it really helps to push by seeing him as that to see that change later on in the movie and that was one of the things I really pointed out that hey family value of this film is you get to see the growth of a man from a selfish individual to a selfless individual. And that's really, you know, who he became and like you said, he threw away his friends, his you know his friends thought he was crazy, and you know his friend his best friend, I guess, well, not his best friend, but um kind of his mentor really, really gets mad at him, um, and that you know bears itself out towards the end of the film. but you really do see him change for the better, but it really pushes a message that um, with change comes sacrifice, and mm-hmm. that 's really what Tony Stark does in this movie is he sacrifices a lot of who he is and you know and what he 's been to become. Who he knows he's meant to be in order to help other people. And I think that's a good There seems message. to be a lot of good social commentary on American wealth and power and And war.
2: And, and war, yeah. yeah. I mean maybe that's part of the reason I like this so much, but the message of it was definitely up what I feel is the message of the gospel. Um also it set itself up great for some sequels. Oh yeah. Um, him battling his alcohol addiction and stuff like that. If it's anything like the comic books. That was one cool thing about Iron Man, is Iron Man really didn't let any issues go by. Mm-hmm. Iron Man was the one to take on everything that affects real people. Yeah. And hopefully the movies play out that way over the next three, four. I mean,
1: I think Robert Downey Jr. said he's willing to do up to 17 of these. Yeah. <laughs> so Well, a lot of people were very afraid when he was picked. Um, I remember I was one of the few people that was like, this is the perfect casting for this. But people were like, well, Robert Downey Jr. is a, a drug addict and he's had problems with prostitutes and alcoholism. And like... So did tony Stark he's the perfect yeah. person to play this guy, and you he really does um embody i mean as an individual he embodies who Tony Stark was and who he has become It really has been a transformation um they were talking about okay well if he if he gets popular again and he's in the spotlight, is he just going to crumble and 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 fall back into you know alcoholism and prostitutes and all that and I would hope not because this is really a great relaunch for Robert Downey Jr.'s career. He's actually in a new movie coming up called Tropic Thunder with uh, uh, Ben Stiller and Jack Black, and it looks hilarious. Check out the preview on uh, apple.com backslash trailers. It's it's hysterical. Uh, Tropic Thunder, that's his next movie. Um, But moving on, we're going to talk about Prince Caspian, uh, which I thought was a a good movie the story wasn't as good as, i mean it's the the second film in the chronicles of narnia um series they're going to be filming all seven films um it's out of order in terms of the books but the reason they did that was because this is the last story that included all four pevensey children so they uh they went ahead and did prince caspian now and i thought the story was kind of was kind of lacking but I do believe that this will be the Two Towers. Uh, I mean, if it were a trilogy, if, if this were a trilogy, this would definitely be the Two Towers movie. The action is absolutely amazing. The special effects are a notch above what they were in uh, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The acting is superb. The, you can see kind of the struggles that were going on. One of the things I cited in my uh, my review on the site was that Aslan is different in this film in the first one you know he comes to the rescue you know he you know he dies he resurrects basically the whole Jesus illusion is there you're, you're blind if you don't see it in this one um, Aslan is kind of behind the scenes very invisible only one person can see him and everyone who had faith in him in the past has lost faith in him now even you know the Pevensey children who've only been gone a year really doubt Aslan in this movie. And one of my thoughts was, well, that's just really dumb. You saw Aslan come to your rescue. You saw him, you know, die and resurrect and defeat the White Witch in the first movie. How can you doubt him so quickly in the second one? Um, But that is just like us. I really feel like I've seen God do a lot of things in my own life. And the moment something goes bad, all of a sudden God is no longer real. God is not there. I can't see him anymore. And I think that This film really, really brings that out. Some people are going to be upset that they downplay the Jesus illusions that were clearly evident in the book, but this is very accessible for the masses. I think it will develop some great conversations with people who are not Christians who go and see the movie. I know I have a few friends who aren't believers who have expressed interest in seeing the movie and and discussing it with with me after they see it. So I think that is a... uh, a positive aspect of this new film—not as good as the first one, uh, different than the first one—but overall, a pretty good film. Have you read the book? I have read the book. Our I've read book. all. I've read all seven books.
2: No, so when you criticize the story, are you criticizing just the script, or like, did you not like the book as much either?
1: No, I I love the book. I love the whole series. Um, however, I mean, there were some liberties that are obviously taken when whenever you adapt uh, a film or a book to film, something's going to be left on the cutting room floor. In this case, um, that that did happen um, more so than it did in the first movie. But at the same time, Lewis C. S. Lewis, when he wrote Narnia, if you compare it to the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings is very, 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 very detailed. It, he would take, you know, Tolkien would take four pages to describe the side of a hill, and <laughs> and at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, as they pan past, you know, you know, the the Hobbit village, you see you see what he describes. Right. Well, in this one. Uh, Lewis, in his writing, was very minimalist. He didn't do a lot of describing, and so um, Adamson, uh, uh, Andrew Adamson, the director of the film, has had to kind of imagine what Narnia looks like or what this scene would look like. So there's a lot of adding in that respect. Um, There's a lot of dialogue that hit the cutting room floor that I wish had been there uh, that was in the book, but uh, I I still feel like uh, given the time constraints, uh, given, you know, the fact that you have to make this appealing to the masses, I think they did a very, very good job with this film. Which one's next? Uh, the next one is Voyage of the Dawn Treaders. That's coming what I was hoping. In, uh, that's my favorite book. In uh, May 2010, that one's coming out. So That um, one I think
2: will be the hardest to bring
1: to film, too. Yeah, so I'm hoping to get some wallpaper action going in <laughs> from that one, because the ship was in the wallpaper and, and all that stuff that went on in that uh, in that book. Um, Yeah, that's that's basically all we have for today, I think. Do you have any other final thoughts? Nothing? Not no? really. I want to point out the fact that all this happened in my office. This all happened in, in Wayne's office because now that he's a big bad college graduate, he now has a job and it's an office job. He is the... Uh, what, what's your job here at the school? We're
2: still working on a title for it. We're working on a title. Do you um, have your
1: job description? You're the gopher? Glorified I'm, gopher?
2: I'm more or less the assistant campus minister at Rochester College. Okay. Which makes... Which is of... funny
1: because you're not even a Christian.
2: Yeah, I know. I forgot to write that on my resume. Well, actually, that's not true at all. Can we edit all of that? Out? <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, I could get in trouble. I, you let's, could
1: get fired for that. So, uh, let's go back
2: right, to the. I'm going to send that to your boss. Cause <laughs> Wayne, are there any more thoughts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's about it for today. Thanks, uh, Well, We're right. going to move right on then. All uh, right, let's. Uh, uh, we're going to end today's show. Normally, we end it with. With some silly goofy song, but given what has happened with the uh, the Chapman family, we're going to go ahead and we're going to close out the show with a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called "With Hope." Um, I believe he wrote this song to the survivors of the shooting in Paducah, K- in Paducah Kentucky years ago at uh, one of the high schools there, and I thought that this song could definitely speak into uh, the situation when you know when all looks hopeless when you've experienced a great, great loss, Um, there is still hope. God is still God in this situation. And so we're going to end the show today with Stephen Curtis Chapman's With Hope. Thanks for listening.
0: Plans for you we had so many dreams and now you've gone away and left us with the memories of your smile and nothing we can say and nothing we can do can take away the pain the pain of losing you. Father, smile and say, Well done. And I imagine you where you wanted most to be, seeing all your dreams come true. Cause now you're home and now you're free. And we can cry with hope, we can say, promised us is true. So we can cry with hope, we can say goodbye with hope, cause we know our goodbye is not the end, oh no. And we can breathe with hope, cause we believe with hope, there's a place